Welcome to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill, and I'm talking with the chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, former congressman of the 2nd Congressional District of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. Steve, lots going on again this week. Let's talk about what President Biden has done in his first 24 hours. Derek, it is getting the attention of people who watch politics for a living. Many are commenting that he has put out more executive orders than any president in history in his first 24 hours. He took on the immigration issue and said that uh, he's going to stop a lot of the border security programs, going to put a halt to the wall, going to basically make it easier for people to come here. He also presented his immigration bill, which would put people on an eight-year pathway to citizenship, but also make it easier for people to come into the country. President Trump had actually secured the border quite well. The immigrants coming across were legal immigration, and they can only come if they have a job. My question for the Biden administration is where are the jobs going to be? New Mexico is very high unemployment. Nationwide, I think we're right at a million people who are out of work. That does not measure those who have quit looking for work. And so where are you going to find the jobs for the people that you're bringing in? Then what are you going to do about the decrease in pay? Since you've got so many extra workers, then pay is going to start going down. So they talk about increasing the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Many of the small businesses are hanging on by thread. And when they increase that minimum wage, it's just going to put them out of business. They're not going to be able to pay that. I'd like to know, since he's the mask mandating president, will he be checking people coming over the border illegally to make sure they're wearing their masks and not coming over with COVID-19? Well, that's another critical point that when you have people coming in great numbers and flooding the borders, they just have to basically catch and release them. And there's no chance for a health security check if they are going to take the time. Sometimes COVID may be in an individual without showing symptoms for up to 14 days. That's going to require putting people back in those wire cages that the the Obama administration started using back when I was in Congress. And we'll see if the press brings up that they're holding the people in the cages. They did not bring it up when President Obama was. They did bring it up when President Trump used those same facilities. And so you've got the whole COVID-19 question that is a very scary prospect for a state like New Mexico. We are on the border and we get a lot of influence from the border traffic and that traffic crossing, which comes straight into New Mexico. If they don't have the time to check them out. If they don't have time to hold people who have COVID, then we just run the risk of another spike. Another area that the president was very active in in the first 24 hours was the energy business. And of course, that affects New Mexicans uh, more than anything else. He stopped the Keystone Pipeline. Now, keep in mind that the Democrats always say that the Republicans are the party of the rich, but it is Warren Buffett who will experience the greatest increase in his profits by stopping that pipeline. Right now, the majority of the oil that is shipped from Canada comes in by rail, and he owns the railroads. And so he's gotten extraordinarily rich with that heavy traffic of oil coming from Canada. The pipeline would have carried it sometimes at 120th the cost, sometimes even less. And so it would have been a benefit to the consumer. But the next thing that he did was put a 60-day moratorium on any oil and gas drilling permits. Now, before you can drill a well, the federal government has to give you a permit for that. That 
process under President Trump had gotten very predictable. It was working well. People, if they wanted to drill a well on federal lands, were able to get the permit and drill the well. When they put that moratorium, 60 days without a permit coming out, already we had four drilling rigs by one of the major oil and gas companies moved into Texas. They canceled all their contracts in New Mexico, New Mexico workers that were supposed to be on those rigs, people doing welding jobs on the rigs, the truckers moving them out to location. And so you've already killed a lot of jobs here in New Mexico just by signing that executive order and stopping the permitting process. And so not only are we going to start importing oil, but we're going to have fewer American jobs. Will the U.S. government refund the money to Keystone that they've already spent now since their permit was pulled? I did not see where that's the case. And again, what that's going to tell big investors is be very careful if it requires government approval before you start any major projects. That's one reason that countries just fail is because the uncertainty will not allow investors to go in and put money into a project. I suspect several billion dollars have already been spent on the pipeline and the fact that it is shut down in the middle of it before oil flows simply is going to be a loss to the investors. They're not going to be willing to invest in any federal project again. So that is an additional downside on this issue. Of course, when we shut down oil and gas drilling in New Mexico, New Mexico is one of the main states which has made us energy self-sufficient. We actually reached a point in the last year where we didn't import a barrel of oil, and that is something we should be striving for because when we import oil, we're generally importing it from Saudi Arabia, or now that President Biden is back in, we'll start buying from Iran again. Those countries in the Middle East are willing to spend dollars to support terrorists. Usually they have people in their government who are willing to take the government money and give it to terrorists to create instability around the globe. So what we're going to do is give them more money to fund instability. That's not what the world needs right now. So all in all, this is going to be very devastating 24 hours that Joe Biden has put into effect here in the first days of his administration. I think that we're going to see more and more efforts like that as we move forward. And he's going to have to do it almost all through executive order. We're hearing that the Democrats control the presidency, which is true. The Democrats control the House, which is true. The Democrats control the Senate, which is true. But when you start unraveling it, this nation is very near to 50-50. The Electoral College, if you take out California and New York, is 50-50. If you look at the House of Representatives, it's 50.2% to 49.8%. If you look at the Senate, it is dead even at 50-50. And so getting legislation passed, you can't lose even one Senate vote. If you lose the Senate vote, then you can't pass legislation. In the House, it's going to be very difficult to get major key elements through because you've only got just a few vote margin. In the House, you got 435 people. You got to have 218 to pass anything off the House floor. Nancy Pelosi can only lose about five before she can't pass legislation. The Republicans are going to be very unified, very much opposed to her agenda. And so as we look forward, we can expect more executive orders, which sometimes will be a violation of existing laws. But I don't think that the left cares. I don't think that President Biden Biden cares. I think they will push the limits of the Constitution and the law to the biggest extent possible. As chairman of the Republican Party of New Mexico, Steve Pierce is often asked to do interviews throughout the week. Here he is on KVIA TV in El Paso, Las Cruces. What is your best hope now that Joe Biden has been inaugurated, now that he is the 46th president of the United States? What is your best hope? 
will happen from now moving forward, from now on. Yeah, I would hope that uh, we continue to build our economy back and create the jobs that existed before the COVID set in. I would hope that we continue to be energy self-sufficient. Uh, I'm not sure that those hopes are playing out, but those are my hopes that he does actually bring the country together, that he's not sincere when he talks about re-education camps or whatever the left is talking about for people who voted for President Trump. That's 75 million people. That's a lot of people to re-educate. It sounds like a different nation. It sounds like Vietnam or it sounds like other one-party states, Venezuela, Cuba. And so I just hope that that is just talk and that it goes away and we start rebuilding the country. Steve Pierce and I will return with this week's guest coming up on Inside New Mexico. On behalf of the New Mexico Department of Health, take COVID-19 precautions. Wash your hands frequently for 20 seconds. Don't touch your face. Use a tissue or your elbow to catch your sneeze or cough. Avoid large gatherings and close contact with sick people, especially if you are elderly or high risk. If you have a cough, fever, or shortness of breath, stay home from work or school. Do not go to the ER or doctor's office without first calling the coronavirus hotline. And avoid all unnecessary out-of-state travel. Help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. I am talking with Steve Pierce, chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, and it is time to bring in our guest for this week, Steve. Derek, we're joined by a special guest, a friend of mine, Representative Rod Montoya from Farmington, New Mexico, longtime friend and just a longtime voice for the Republican Party that is always talking about the conservative issues and the conservative viewpoint, a strong defender of the life issue, of lower taxes, of pro-guns. We couldn't get a better voice in our state legislature than Rod Montoya. Representative, thanks for being on the program today. Tell us a little bit about what you've been experiencing as you started the first week in the Roundhouse this year. The first week in the Roundhouse, we worked one day and then uh, we went home because of some phantom expectation of hundreds of New Mexicans storming the Capitol with guns blazing. That was a narrative we were given. As a matter of fact, it was very frustrating to hear some folks, including the Speaker of the House, try to equate what had happened on the 6th of January in the Capitol in D.C. that somehow we were having to close down our Capitol in Santa Fe because of riotous, uh, out-of-control, gun-toting conservatives, which was just absolutely false. We haven't had a peak. We haven't had any violence in particular, but protests in general we've not had at the Capitol. And so they're just trying to make it seem as if things are more dangerous than they are. So they sent us home. For those of us who might not be seeing the news reports every night, you're describing something that looks almost exactly like the President Biden inauguration with troops standing by, razor wire fences up, and nobody is there. Nobody came to storm the Capitol in D.C. Nobody came to storm the Capitol anywhere across the country. And so uh, we've spent a ton of money. But more than that, I think the Democrats have destroyed any chance at unity that they've been talking about. Tell us a little bit about the message of unity in the state legislature and from your perspective, what that sounds like. Congressman, the idea of unity is one way. They want to tell us what they're going to impose, and they're asking us to unite behind it. They're essentially telling us that fighting for our districts and for concerns for business owners, for parents who want their children to go back to school in person, that all of those things that we're being divisive rather than representing. It is very frustrating to me when that narrative is pushed by partisanship, when in reality what they're asking for is surrender. 
Well, I'll tell you, the only rebellion was the night of the inauguration when Antifa and BLM began to burn Seattle, Portland, Denver, other cities. They began to do their normal rioting again. They're not pleased that Joe Biden is sworn in. They want to burn the place down. And yet no one came out in the media. No one came out in the Democrat Party the next day decrying that violence or that willingness to overthrow the government of the United States. Yes. As a matter of fact, the idea that they're going to shut down the capitals, in reality, keeping the constituents, that's really, I think, the effort here is to keep our constituents out so that they can pass whatever they want to with the least resistance possible. But if they were serious about wanting things to be peaceful and nonviolent, then all of the riots that took place this summer across the country, including in Albuquerque and Santa Fe, the destruction that took place there, the same response that they're having for the capital, they did not have in downtown Albuquerque. They did not have that at the plaza in Santa Fe when the police pulled back and allowed destruction of public property and private property to take place. At this point, the calls for unity are for us to get in line, to stop disagreeing with them. They know better. Well, now, one of the big discussions going on in D.C. right now is yet another huge stimulus bill, maybe $3 trillion with each family getting up to $3,000. Tell me a little bit about your perspective. You've been in the policymaking business for some time. You have made budgets in New Mexico. Tell me a little bit about what those kind of stimulus dollars run the risk of doing. Well, it sets a false narrative. First off, this is a fantasy budget in New Mexico. We basically shut down 100,000 jobs in New Mexico and virtually every small business for the majority of the last year. And with no daylight in sight as to when we were going to uh, be able to open up. But the state coffers have not noticed a drop. And the reason is the previous COVID stimulus dollars that have ended up in the hands of folks have allowed them to continue living and spending as if they were still employed. But we've been told that of the 100,000 plus jobs that have been shut down, that when we get back to full operation, we expect somewhere between 20 to 25,000 of those jobs to not come back, or at least not initially. But those small businesses that have shut, the people who have had to file bankruptcy, who have not just done their business, but in many cases, these folks are losing their homes. Small business owners, really, they're just sole proprietors. That is essentially the same as everybody else who draws a paycheck paying on a regular 1040 schedule. They're not going to go back and reinvest. And if I were someone who was going to open a business, I definitely wouldn't open a restaurant because at any point with the amount of authority that this governor has and the Supreme Court in New Mexico has given her on a whim can shut your business down and you have no recourse. Yes, the damage done to our small businesses throughout the state is well documented. Tell me the big issues that you're going to be facing in this legislative cycle. Well, several things. They believe the answer to our budget woes is, first off, recreational marijuana. That is the panacea, apparently. And they are looking to give something that people are not clamoring for, and that is assisted suicide. And by the way, the bill that's being pushed would be one of the most radical assisted suicide bills in the country. There would be no delay. You can make a decision. If you're depressed today and you were to go in and make that decision, you could have same-day departure from the earth, from your life. You don't even have to go to specifically a licensed medical doctor. It could be a physician's assistant. It looks like it would be a nurse practitioner. You would never have to go see a psychiatrist or a psychologist just to make sure that you weren't making this decision either under duress from a family member or uh, just out of being depressed or lonely. So there are no protections in this. They're looking to remove any mention of the word abortion 
in our laws. And they pushed for this a couple of years ago. It was uh, called House Bill 51. This year it's Senate Bill 10 that will look to basically take away conscience protections for medical personnel who might have a moral or religious objection to being involved in ending the life of an unborn child. If there's something progressive, these guys want to do it. They want to institute a state bank, get in there and compete with private business again with our local banks. A lot of folks would go to the state bank because potentially the standards for getting a loan would be lessened, which that's just a bad idea. It hasn't been that long since we saw the housing bubble when we did this nationally, lowering the requirements to get a loan on a home. The idea, though, is if they pass uh, recreational marijuana, it's still illegal nationally. So local banks, regular banks and credit unions, for instance, would not be able to take money from an illegal sale of something uh, narcotic like that. So the idea would be a state bank would uh, have lesser standards on that and they could bring that in. This particular legislature has, over the last two years, and is continuing to go forward with this, is making it easier and easier to just sue anyone for any reason. And now it looks like what they're trying to do is make it to where municipalities and county commissions could be sued more easily. The idea of lawyers being able to go in there and just go after money that they think is readily available is in these municipalities and counties. And uh, if they have their way, small communities in particular with one major lawsuit, could be bankrupt. But this governor and the legislature under the Democrat control is very anti-business and very pro-attorney. And hold on to your wallet, let's just say that. Uh, friends, we've been visiting with Representative Rod Montoya. He is the minority whip in the New Mexico House of Representatives, a Republican from San Juan County, Farmington, very familiar with the oil and gas issues. Representative, we have enjoyed your visit today. We appreciate your leadership, your knowledge of the issues. We appreciate that you're there working every day in the arena. Thank you, Steve, and thank you for your friendship. Steve Pierce and I will return in just a moment with more Inside New Mexico. Attention, New Mexico veterans. If you were honorably discharged from the U.S. Armed Forces, you've earned state and federal benefits, and the New Mexico Department of Veteran Services is standing by to assist you. State benefits include a veteran's property tax exemption, education and training, and transportation services. We can also assist with claims for federal VA benefits. The state of New Mexico and this radio station thank you for your service. More information at nmveterans.org or 1-866-433-8387. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico, and I'm talking with the chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. Steve, I understand the World Health Organization is taking a different tack now that President Biden is in. Tell us what's going on. Well, you remember that President Trump pulled us out of WHO. He said they were irresponsible in reporting the COVID as it developed in China and then spread to the rest of the world. And he said that uh, even their supposed investigation was rigged and simply done to where it made China look good. And so he pulled out. The first thing that happened was that Joe Biden put us back in WHO. So we're going to start paying dues into that organization again. But then Sometimes it seems like people just are surprised, but for me, I'm not. 
I would have imagined that the high infection rates of COVID, they were reporting, even if you died from a heart attack and you happen to have a COVID test that was positive with no effects from COVID, they still listed you as a COVID death. If you died for any reason and had any symptoms of COVID, then you were listed as having died from COVID. So now WHO has tightened up those reporting mechanisms. So the predictable thing is, as soon as Joe Biden is sworn in, the COVID infections and the COVID deaths are going to start decreasing like it's a formula. We're going to make it look bad for Republicans and we're going to make it look good for Democrats. Forget the truth. That's their mantra. We're going to make it look bad for one side and good for the other side. They did that in the Afghanistan war and the Iraqi war. As soon as Obama came in, then you stopped seeing the reports of fatalities in the evening news. You'd seen nothing but that during the time of President Bush. So having the WHO come out and change the measurement and the reporting criteria was no surprise. But what a shame that we have international organizations funded by taxpayer dollars that are willing to push things that are not exactly true both directions. Another thing that we're seeing is that the governor of New York, the governor of Michigan, and the mayor of Chicago are all now surprisingly announcing that their restaurants are going to open again. This is too predictable that when President Trump was in office, we had to shut down the whole economy. Now then that he's gone, then it was very predictable that we'd start seeing businesses open up. And so you can expect more of the same, whether or not the governor of New Mexico opens up our state, I'm not sure. All I know is that already some of the biggest states, some of the states that have been hit hardest economically are beginning to say we're going to open up. Here in New Mexico, we just have parents that are beside themselves because their kids are not in school. They're falling further behind with an education system that is worst in the nation here in New Mexico. We're not even giving our kids access to what we could be giving them access to. And the science argues that we should be opening the schools back up. Almost no chance for kids to catch the COVID. Last week, when I checked the CDC website, not one death in New Mexico among kids age zero to 18. So we could have our kids in school very safely, and yet this governor has shut them down because the unions have told her that that's what they want her to do. Many teachers' unions across the country, and keep in mind the teachers would like to be back in the classroom. I hear that from teachers every day. They don't think this is working for the students. They don't think it's working for themselves, but it's the union leadership which is driving this message that they don't ever want to be back in the classroom again. That's because they've lost control of the classroom and many of these big union states. They don't have a clue how to reestablish order. And so they just simply sweep the problem aside. They can dumb down the tests all they want to, to make it look like our students are learning. But the truth is our students are falling further behind. Another thing that has caused tremendous backlash against the governor in New Mexico is that in Lee County, one of our hospitals is very, very active to get the COVID vaccines in here. And they offered that to all the teachers in Lee County. Well, the governor heard about it immediately took credit, told the teachers across the rest of the state she was going to get the vaccines for them. As it turned out, either she couldn't or she canceled that. So now she's made teachers mad across the state because she had promised them one thing and delivered nothing. So we sit here and shake our heads as we look at the problems that are facing us out of this COVID. I know we're about to wrap up the session, but the reports are now able to be put out on the funding during this last election cycle. You always have 
a certain time after a political campaign to get your final reports in. And it's showing that President Biden had almost $145 million in dark money, much of that through small donations that are anonymous. If you give, I think it's less than $200, you don't have to identify yourself. I just don't believe it's possible to raise $145 million at $200 a whack. During my first six years, my average donation was $112, $117, and it was excruciating work to raise a million dollars for a congressional race at $117 a clip. And so just trying to describe donations that are small dollar donations totaling $145 million, now that's questionable. I've always wondered if it's not somebody who has set up a program to infuse great amounts of money in large donations and then break that up and assess it as uh, small donations. But the Democrats have been huge at decrying the dark money until it benefits them. And then suddenly they're very quiet. So they would have done away with the dark money a long time ago, except now that they have figured out how to take advantage of it. I suspect you'll never hear that again. But once again, we point out that it's the Democrats, the party of the rich, it's the Republicans, uh, President Trump and on down who are speaking for the working class man and woman. We're going to find the party shift becoming more evident through the coming four years. The Republican Party is getting a lot of flack saying that we're still out, saying there were problems with the election, and the press is saying there were no problems with the election, and they're accusing us of putting out untruths and misinformation. The truth is that it's against the law for the Secretary of State to kick us out and to allow county clerks to kick us out of areas where the absentee ballots are being certified, and yet that's exactly what happened. It is also a violation of the law when they pushed us far back to where we could not see what was going on in the counts. We have challengers there watching for a reason during the election. And when they're pushed so far back, they would need binoculars to be able to see what's going on. That was not the intent of the law. We have multiples and hundreds of affidavits where people are saying that this happened to them and that happened to this person. We've got the dead people identified. We've got people who've moved out of state identified as having been given balance. And so all of these things let us know that we are not making up things. We're not creating misinformation. The other side, when they begin to attack the information itself, not when they respond to it, not when they answer, not when they allow transparency to review and get a good assessment if the accusations are true or not, those things would be valuable. But when they try to stop the entire discussion, that's what they're doing now, then we know they're afraid of the discussion itself. So we're going to stand firm on our ideas that anomalies occurred in the election. We're going to continue to try to work through the courts to find answers to what we saw, but we are not going to say that we didn't see what we did see. Thank you, Steve. And for our listeners who like what we're saying and would like to get more involved with the Republican Party of New Mexico, you can do that by checking out the website at www.gopnm.org. The party also has a Facebook page and a Twitter account. The handle is at New Mexico GOP. You can call party headquarters at 505-298-3662. That's 505-298-3662. Steve? Derek, great program, and we shall see you next week on Inside New Mexico. 